This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. PMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with questions, comments, concerns, or whatever's, and uh, Alex will be answering the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from, so nothing else beyond that. And Mr. Kelly, I see you're working there. I'm just updating the temperatures. It's actually 79 in St. Charles already. It's a 70. My car has a thermometer in it. Yeah, probably most cars do anymore. But mine, has mine doesn't. What? Yeah. Oh, you must have some kind of classic it's, mobile. No, it's it's a 2012 or something. And it's, you know, when, when the sun hits the, the radio right, you can see the spot for it. <laughs> but for some reason, I don't have one. But go ahead. What did your car, what did your car thermal? It said 79. You know, did it? As I was yeah. coming down to work. Yeah. Wow. And the humidity is like 95% right, or something. exactly. As soon as I stepped so, yeah. out the door, I went, <gasps> yeah. I thought I was swimming. <laughs> I, I was going to come to work in just a towel this morning, and I got halfway here and thought, you know, I, that may not work. I'll yeah. go, I'll go. So you, you turned know, around yeah. and went, got some clothes on. Yeah. But yeah. I have a, a bird question for you. Okay. Early in the morning, before the sun's even up or anything else, mm-hmm. there's some birds that are making some sound. What is that? Is that mockingbirds? I don't know. Oh. I'll have to look up the early Whoa. bird. You know what they are, though? They do get the worm. <laughs> I thought that was a robin, but is it the mockingbird? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I was I'll just curious because sometimes, you know, around four o'clock or so I get up and I can hear those mm-hmm. birds outside the window. Maybe. And they, yeah, they will wake you up. Yes. For right. sure. We had our peacock, our neighbor's peacock has been hanging out and screaming. And like yesterday, Sue was trying to take a, a nap on the back porch and even in the house and you're, oh, you hear this <laughs> peacock. It's like, shut I do, I you know, Shut up. <laughs> Maybe wanted to come in the air conditioning. Well, he stands there and looks at the door. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and then he yells. It's like, I'm right here. <laughs> well, great. Good story. Have fun. Yes. Very professional. Brian Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, those two words, phrases have never been used together before. Make sure you get them recorded. <laughs> Folks, this will. is Saturday morning. We get together and we discuss what's going on in your yards. Whether it's side yard, backyard, front yard, or what's impacting your yards. Is it the neighbor's yard? Is there downspouts shooting water right into your space? <sighs> oh, um, and how are your houseplants doing? The ones that are still inside? Well, you know, I'm a uh, report on our houseplants here at uh, our radio stations. Um, 
boy, the house plants don't look so good. There's a Judy Stockwell. She has some house plants in the windows, and they don't look good at all. Sorry. I guess no, I mean, there's blinds pulled down and everything else. So shows you after a while, your house plants can go downhill because she had them looking really, really great for a while. Anyway, what's potting mix? How to improve your soil? Uh, sharing, no, sharing your ideas about pruning. How about bugs? This is a buggy month. The really explosion of bugs and the information that I'll share with you and it will hopefully help you solidify your options with the final judgment on the action you want to take strictly up to you. And by the way, this is your show and I appreciate I appreciate you inviting me into your car home or wherever you happen to be listening. And another important player, as I said before, is Alex. He answers the phone. He's produ- producing the show. He makes it so I just have to blah, 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 blah and don't have to do anything else. It makes it very, very easy. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and uh, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. Today, after the show, I'm going to be heading down to Oakville and then out to Kirkwood. This past week, past Wednesday, I was in Wildwood, an area where I used to ride as kids. We rode our bikes through there from Ellisville over the old state road to get to Rockwood so we could go through the caves in the summertime and stuff like that. And then also one in the city on a Pestalozzi. So it was a wild combination of you know, landscapes, great fun at both places. And if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can email me at MikeMillerDesigns.com. And that homepage, I'll have my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 Three, three, four, four. With all the parks closed and everything else, I'm a little bit, I mean, you can walk into them, but a lot of the times the stuff that I'd want to talk about during my good gardening stroll is a little bit too far to walk in and then get back out and everything else. So today I went to January and Itasca Streets. It's a Southampton neighborhood. There's a wedge there dominated by a massive elm, Redbud tree and a hackberry as well. There is a clover-covered walkway that winds through this space. And there's a bench dedicated to Marie Robinson. And it faces towards the east. And as I was standing there, whoa, here comes a hummingbird with a red-throated. So it was neat to see. I just stood there. I was mesmerized as I watched him get it all, him or her. It's a little hard to tell. But... Uh, just drink, 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 drink. It looked great. And uh, the neat thing about this, this is a very personalized, you know, wedgy park. I, it's not really a park, but it's a you know, great space. There's little bitty rocks that have been painted with faces on them. And they're kind of laying in various places. So when you're just walking around and you're looking at the plant material, all of a sudden you look down on the ground and there's a, a rock that's been painted with a neat face. There are so many different varieties of perennials in this space. It was unbelievable. One that's very, very striking right now is a yarrow. I mean, it was reaching out those big flat umbels of yellow flowers. It was almost saying, cut me and take me home. I'll be glad to be a dried flower for you later on. Also yellow, the yellow primrose. Those flowers were probably three plus inches across. There's monarda, there's coral bells. And uh, finished flowering, uh, That the coral bells have finished flowering, but the foliage still looks really, really good. Bumblebees were visiting the blue spiderwort. There is a variegated smilacina, in other words, Solomon seal. 
Uh, golden rods were say, come back soon because I'm going to be in flower. Here's something I should have told the Brian about. When I was standing there, I, I saw kind of from a peripheral vision type circumstance, I heard a robin really squawking, you know, a lot. And I could tell it was flying too. And this robin was chasing a squirrel away. And I mean, this squirrel was really scared of this robin because he, he was running as fast as he possibly could. And so I guess the squirrel was too close to the robin's nest or something. I don't know what was going on. But anyway, um, there's a stormwater intake there, which is really hidden by a thicket of other types of ornamental grasses and perennials as well. A couple of flowering plants were still looking really, really good that weren't perennials. There's a hydrangea with a white disc that were floating. Leatris was saying, come back soon because I will be in flower. And there was a house right across the street that was watering early this morning. And the, as I walked away, the orange milkweed was waving goodbye and see you later. So anyway, Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off by going over to Joy's yard. Hi, Joy. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm calling for my daughter who lives in Columbia, Missouri, um, and so I might not have all the information, but she has several knockout roses where the bushes, uh, the branches seem to be dead, like over half of them are dead. Ooh. She doesn't see any spots or insects um, on them. Basically, she should cut out all the dead stuff and keep her fingers crossed, use some, you know, just kind of make sure they don't go any through any drought stress or anything at all. But by the end of the summer, if she's not seeing some new active good growth, not rose rosette type growth or anything like that, then uh, she should just get rid of them. Okay. She said that, um, I guess, two years ago they were attacked by Japanese beetles. Right. But, uh, they, they came back beautifully last year. Um, they caught it. They treated it with seven yeah, the, I mean, the Japanese beetles, seven is a good contact, you know, insect killer. So that's fine. But uh, for, you know, as mild as this winter was, for her to have major, let's say, stems coming up and, you know, not being leafing out or flowering or anything at all, that doesn't sound good. Okay, so cut back the dead branches and, and do what then? And just kind of keep her fingers crossed. And if by the end of summer she's not seeing some good active growth coming out of what's remaining, after she's using rose food every month, get rose food specifically. And uh, if nothing's happening, then uh, just get rid of them. Okay. All right. Thank you. And then, Mike, also one thing. Can roots from a tree cause damage to your foundation? Uh, well, they're gonna, it's going to keep pushing on it. You know, and if you've got any kind of fissure or crack in your house foundation, what it does is it can run and then kind of push into that, let's say, small crack and make it wider. So it's not going to pop the foundation open, but it definitely could do, you know, could cause some problems. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's go up to Florissant and see what's going on in Patrick's yard. Hi, Patrick. Good morning, Mr. Miller. How are you, sir? Very good. Good. Hey, you know that Roundup that kills weeds but not the grass? Uh, yeah. It's, that's kind of a relatively new one. Okay. It kills um, broadleaf weeds. 
What about, um, right, exactly. What about bushes? Will it kill bushes? Absolutely. Damn. <laughs> I, you know, Darn. I don't know if it will or not, but I'd say keep it off of it as much as you possibly can. So, I mean, it's, I it's, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, but who knows, and especially if you're spraying in, in the, you know, intense heat, because you always have to read the label, and if it says, do not spray when the temperature is above this amount, you know, or this level, then don't make any kind of application on anything. Do they make uh, any type of uh, weed, uh, weed killer that will not kill the bush? Well, uh, any kind of broadleaf weed killer will or any kind of, you know, universal, like sort of the old time roundup will. So for the most part, there's not too many, you know, specific, you know, grass killers per se but still keep the herbicide especially in the summertime off anything you possibly can whether you have to take a piece of cardboard out and put it between what you're spraying and what you're trying to save or whatever it happens to take so i can i can do that with my bushes if i if i block it from hitting the bush right. all together absolutely so it's got to okay, come in so- contact with the foliage you know, Roundup in general and most of the herbicides deactivate when they hit the soil unless it's a systemic type herbicide. And then it's going to be, you know, absorbed into the, let's say, this plant system. But there's not too many of those things. Okay, good. Then I'll uh, I'll block it because, man, I don't know. My parents used to call it water grass. What are they? What is that? That's nut sedge. And you got to use something specifically that what you have to do is go get a, a product called sedge ender. Or something that says, and sedge, S-E-D-G-E, it's got to say sedge in its name to be effective. Because that's not a grass. So what you're trying to spray on it is not going to do anything. So you got to get something okay. specifically to kill nutgrass or sedge. Nutgrass. Nut okay. I will do that. I sure appreciate it, sir. Yep. My pleasure. Have a good day. And now let's head over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mike. Hey, I know irises are tubers, but now after the blossoms have come off, I got these green bulbs on the end of them. They almost look like seed pods, and I've never seen them before. You know what they are? Yeah, it probably is what. I mean, normally they don't produce that, but, uh, you know, certain years I guess they possibly can. And it's uh, it's not they're not going to be functional as far as okay. being able to use them. But you could try and see what happens. Then the next year you can call back and say, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> No, I don't think so, but I appreciate it, okay? Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it's the iris. Usually you don't see those pods, but uh, certain years everything just works just right, and that's what possibly could happen. Let's see. Where do we need to go? Let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Morning, Mike. Hi. Thanks for being on my program. Well, thank you. I uh, used Roundup to kill the poison ivy. Uh, it, look, it killed the leaves, but my question is, do I still need to dig out the root? Well, first of all, there is you know a, a level of Roundup which will kill woody plants, and that's probably one you should have used. Mm. So, in other words, it says you know poison poison ivy killer, and it will kill woody plants, so it can kill things like honeysuckle and all of those sorts of things. But yeah, if you just use regular Roundup. Generally, it's not going to be strong enough to because of the root systems on any kind of woody plant is really tough. And so it generally will not kill that. But if you dig up those roots, if you're allergic to poison ivy, you better be very, very careful because the sap in the root system can cause you problems, too, with the, the irritation due like regular poison ivy. 
Yes, I did use uh, gloves and a long sleeve shirt, so okay. I was careful there. Good, but uh, so uh, but I did buy the the Roundup that did say for poison ivy. Okay, but perfect. I then you yeah. don't need to dig the roots. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Yep. And I will tell you, though, there may be certain, you know, sections of the root system that have not been killed. So just you may have to make another application uh, next year and maybe even a following year after that. So just watch the area where you know the poison ivy is. If you start to see some come up, just go after it with that roundup. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go over and see what's going on in Vince's yard. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. Hi. Appreciate your program. Hey, I have these hydrangeas, and I've had them for probably 10 years, and they come up. They have beautiful green leaves. I trim the dead out, but they're not flowering. They're in the southeast corner of my house, and they do, and when it's 95 degrees, they show stress because of water. But I water them, but then I water over my sprinkling system, watering them, the other plants too much. Are they just not, and they don't flower? How do I get them to flower? Or won't they flower in the sun? Well, first of all, if the, in the heat of the day, any plant, not just hydrangeas, but anything that's wilted down, that does not necessarily mean it needs water. A lot of times we can cause more problems than good by doing additional watering. The way to tell if your plant is wilting down because the soil is dry is to check it in the morning, not check it in the heat of the day. If it's wilted in the early morning, then, yes, do some watering. But why yours is not flowering, are you doing any pruning on them at all? Every year I just cut the dead out. So you don't cut anything during the growing season or anything, you know, going into fall, wintertime or anything else? Now, this this spring, the green came up, and you could see all the dead, and I just cut the dead off. Right. So... My get, you know, I don't know which variety is it a spring bloomer or is it a summer bloomer? Do you know which one it actually is? When it, when did it actually, when you first got them, did they, did they bloom? They kind of bloomed in the midsummer. Okay. Or, so I would say yeah. it may be related to you know, if it, if they look healthy and everything else, maybe try get some fertilizer for acid loving plants. Give them some food and see if that will help. And then if they don't flower this year at all, and, you know, I would say they're past their prime, let's put it that way. Okay, I got one other question. Sure. I had these two two flowers that came up, and I don't know all my flowers. They're about three or four foot tall, and they look like goldenrod, and they're beautiful. <laughs> they had a lot of yellow, uh, there's in two different parts of my front and they add a lot of yellow color to it and they're really pretty i hate to cut them down but they just look like the golden rod wow <laughs> well if, or was there a yellow flower like that well there could be you know it's hard without seeing it what it actually is but uh, there's all kinds of different plants and the seeds could come in from bird droppings or things like that so just uh if you enjoy them just leave them alone I was just trying to determine what they were. Yeah, if if you want to take if you can take a picture and then email me the picture of them, then I can let you know. All right, and what's your email address? Uh, just go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, and then it'll, my email address will be there. 
right. Very the, good. Thank you very much for the program. Yeah, on the homepage, my email address is right there. So now let's go out to Chesterfield in the Carey's yard. Hi, Carey. Hi there. Hey, you were talking to somebody earlier. He was asking about the uh, Roundup to kill the grass in the bushes. Right. Uh, Ortho makes a product now called Grass Be Gone. Right. And that's what it's designed for. And my next door neighbor used it, and it worked great. Yeah, that definitely. Now you gotta is. watch out for the temperature that you're when you're spraying it. But that grass be gone. I didn't even know about it until recently when she told me. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a you know weed be gone and grass be gone. Yeah. Those those products are very you know I mean they're very specific on targeting. But the problem with him was he was trying to kill nutsedge, which it wouldn't. You know either one of those would not kill nutsedge. Oh no, that that won't. Right. But. Uh, Okay. That's all. All right. Great. Well, thanks for calling. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about uh, the vinegar and soap and everything for mm-hmm. killing plants. I found that they have horticultural vinegar at Farm and Home on Mid River Small Drive, and it's thirty percent acidic. And I sprayed, I mixed it uh, uh, three to one with regular vinegar, mm-hmm. and went out and sprayed some plants in my backyard. You have to be very cautious with this stuff because it uh, it has all sorts of listings on it about what you should avoid and everything. Right. But within three hours, the plants were dying. Perfect. Even after all the rain and everything. But you have to be very careful handling this. But what are the effects of this agricultural uh, vinegar uh, in the wild? I mean, I've got it in a dry creek bed. I sprayed everything that was growing there. But does it does it stay where you put it? Or will it meander around you know because of the rain and everything no it won't migrate rain will drive it down deeper into the soil but it's not going to send it you know laterally for the most part but what i like about it is it's not harmful to the environment you have to be very careful using it so you don't get it on your hands or your eyes or everything right they have to use a special sprayer but it works fantastic that's great yeah horticultural vinegar has been around for quite a while Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for the insight, you know, and sort of like what's going on in your own landscape. Let's head over to Carrie's yard. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Mike. Uh, Several years ago, I built a raised garden bed and have been providing my neighbors and friends in the neighborhood with uh, tomatoes. And this year, I've got a little problem. My tomatoes are beautiful, green, uh, have flowers on them, and then the flowers drop away and there's no tomato left behind. Basically, that you know, is probably related to the weather as much as anything else, so don't get into a panic. I'm assuming since you've been doing it for a long time, you're doing the fertilizing, the watering, and everything. So this is just something that's a natural occurrence with tomato plants. Ah, I see. So, uh, there, so I shouldn't just rip these out and try to start all over. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbors are depending on me. <laughs> and you're depending upon yourself, too. <laughs> exactly. So, Thanks for your, so I have nothing to worry about. No, this is something that just a natural occurrence because of our screwball weather and everything else. And, uh, you know, some years it's going to happen, some years it's not, and that's just the way it is. 
Fantastic. Thanks for the great advice. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Glenn Carbon and into Nick's yard. Hi, Nick. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I've got a question for you. I've got a large stand of uh, paddle cactus down there in the back. They've been, oh, in the ground for close to 20 years. They do great. Uh, But this year I noticed on the new paddles coming off the old paddle, I've got, not in all of them, but in quite a few, there's like a quarter-inch perfectly round hole through the paddle. If I didn't know better, I'd think this was like a carpenter bee doing that. Is that is that possible? No. Bees are not going to do that. And uh, this is Opuntia. is a botanical name, O-P-U-N-T-I-A. And consequently, whatever caused these holes... It's you know it's something physical, but I don't think it's an insect because those holes have been there probably for a while, especially if they healed over. And the bees haven't been out that long to be able to do something like that. So specifically, what's causing this? I don't know. My if I had to guess, I would say if you've had any kind of hail, it's hail damage that actually caused a bruise, and the bruise just rotted all the way through. Yeah, no, we haven't had any hail. Okay. Um. Oh, it's just very odd because it's a perfectly round hole. Right. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep an eye on them. I've, yeah, I've not seen this before uh, with any of the cactus. Um, but let me ask you about geraniums. The girlfriend's got quite a few this year. I, I remember my grandmother or somebody at, at the end of the season would take those out of the dirt, shake them off, and put them in a bag. Right. Can you still, is is that the preferred way to do that? Well, if you want to try to keep them, my grandmother did the very same thing. So she okay. pulled them up at the end of the season, just the stem, and put them in you know paper bag with, uh, she put layers of newspaper in between every few plants. So it would keep them from just laying on top of each other, which could create, let's say, a rotting circumstance. Okay, so like a, a, a beer flat or a soda flat, something like that right. with newspaper. Okay. Right. And then my grandmother also just kept some in pots and just grew them inside. Yeah, we're we're about out of room. (laughs) (laughs) We have a cactus succulent problem here, Ah. and and these just came along for the outdoors. Well, I'm going to keep an eye on on these paddle cactus. Um, I I send some around to relatives around the country, and... I'm going to keep in touch with them and see if any of them are having the same problem. Right. Also, you could try uh, going to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and get in contact with the St. Louis Cactus Society and see if they've got some insight on this. Okay. And that, Mike, thanks. That's a terrific site. You told me about that years ago. Great. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go to West County, and that's where Tom lives. Hi, Tom. Just following up to see if you did your homework from last week. You had a couple people call and ask about it, and you said you'd look into it. What's up with the sycamores? I couldn't find anything at all. So I looked at the Missouri Botanical Garden website. I looked, you know, somebody had sent me something saying, I think he was a director, a park director in some uh, city in Illinois. He was noticing it was happening over there, and he thought it might have been anthracnose. But I saw nothing at all any place related to that. Now, the leaf drop has stopped. Yes. So, which is good. It's on the lower branches. Yeah. And uh, so I just think it was, you know, weather-related more so than anything else. 
Okay, doesn't like mild winters, huh? <laughs> okay. Exactly. All right, thank you, Mike. Sure. Yeah, I tried, and uh, there was nothing any place. Mike Miller, KMY's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, and we're headed over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hey, hey, Mike. Um, I have a zoysia lawn, and it's getting taken over by uh, dollar weed. I was wondering what the best product for that. Any kind of broadleaf weed killer would work fine, except, again, I'm going to warn everybody and continue to. When it starts getting really, really hot, any kind of herbicide that you put down could do some damage on plant material that it shouldn't be doing damage to. So just be really careful. So any kind of weed be gone or anything like that. Am I better to do it in the fall? Uh, If it's basically, I don't know specifically what what weed this is, but also think about the fact that it might be a a weed that you can control by putting a pre-emergent down. So in other words, is it really green and nice right now? Yes. So basically, it's one that is a you know warm season annual weed. So you'd put the pre-emergent down when the forsythia is in bloom in the springtime. That will help control it. Then after that, do it uh, basically later on before it gets you know to the heat of the summertime. Fall f- applications on a lot of the weeds are not all that effective because the plants are already starting to shut down. Okay. So a pre-emergent in the springtime would be the best thing to do. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Hello? Hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm calling about, can I trim back boxwoods now? Some of them are uh, almost 45 inches tall, and, and I'm wondering, can I can I do that now? No. <laughs> oh, oh, yikes. Okay. So Basically, what do I do? Or do I never cut them back because they're too tall, or? Anything that you prune that's a broadleaf evergreen this time of year with the intensity of the summertime, the stuff you cut off is great, but it's been shadowing, even though it's newer growth, shadowing the, the leaves that are below that. Now suddenly they're going to be fully exposed to the sun, and you could get some sunburn on them. So it's better to do it in the spring or the fall then? or Probably what? the best time to do it is would be in the springtime coming out of wintertime before the new growth begins. So okay. sometime but you know, mid-February to mid-March. That would be the better time to do it. I'm going to go write that on my calendar. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Certainly. My pleasure. Okay. And now from Joyce's yard, we're headed over to Gary's. Hi, Gary. Hey, Gary, are you there? I am. Okay. Uh, Mike, another hydrangea question. We bought a couple that are in pots that have blossoms, and the blossoms are fading. Can we deadhead and expect other blossoms, and will they survive the summer in pots? Uh, they should survive the summer in pots, you know, depending upon how large the pots are. As far as reblooming, it just depends upon the variety. Some of them are rebloomers. The majority of them are not. So they have one flush, and that's pretty much it. Okay. The, the tag implied that they, they bloom all the way through into the fall. So Well, well they, then this is a rebloomer type, so it could certainly, you know, just if it's in a, like a relatively small pot, I'd put them in a bigger pot. So, in other words, if it's in a, a pot that's only about 8 inches across, put them in a pot that's at least 12 inches across. Okay, and if we plant them in the ground, is there a good time to do that? Uh, you could do it now. It's just that you're going to have to watch and make sure they don't go through any kind of drought stress. So, in okay. a, And also, I'll repeat what I said earlier about wilting. If the plants are wilting, any kind of plant wilting in the heat of the day, then that doesn't necessarily mean it needs water. 
go out and check any plant that was wilting during the heat of the day. The next morning, and if the leaves are back rigid, then it doesn't need water. If the leaves are wilting down, then it does need water. Okay, good enough, because we have a little bit of a, an afternoon wilt, and it looked like they were still a little wilted this morning. Okay, so then it probably in the pot they probably need some uh, moisture. Good enough. All right. Thank you. And now let's go over to Gail's yard. Hi, Gail. Gail lives in Ferguson. Hi, Mike. Um, I've got two questions. I have seen a raccoon in my yard, <laughs> and I noticed um, that I have uh, scats being deposited fairly regularly. Is there anything that I can do to uh, to get rid or to... Uh, encourage the raccoon to go to someone else's yard <laughs> uh basically not they get you know they're really they're coming into your yard for something now are you saying you're seeing little piles of stuff yeah yeah are you yeah. sure that it's from them and it's not from earthworms because earthworms are oh, pushing up oh, their no. castings no no, no okay this so is this is raccoon <laughs> stuff yep I would say okay. go you know they kind of follow the trail of their you know let's say their waste and deer will do the same thing. And uh, if you can go out and kind of get rid of it as much as you possibly can. And what I do is I have problems with feral cats in our neighborhood. And the feral cats don't like the smell of orange peelings. So I, oh. anytime I eat an orange, I take the peelings out and throw it in the yard. And it does help repel the cats. So I don't know if orange peelings would help repel the you know, raccoons. But uh, you might try that. Okay, I sure will. Now I have a second question. At our church, uh, we had our trees trimmed, and there was a garden that didn't really have anything in it under one of the trees that was quite shaded. Well, now it's in the sun all the time, and it's kind of been neglected. So what's the best way to uh, deal with kind of getting that garden back again? And then I'm thinking it's too hot to plant Right. So what, how should I do this? Probably it's too hot to plant, but it's not too hot to prepare the soil if you're willing to get out there and get, you know, get the soil ready and then get the soil ready now, get the compost mixed in with the soil and everything else, and then wait until, you know, let's say late, late August, early September to do any kind of plant installation. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Thanks. Yep. And if it's fully sunny now, I mean, you're not going to be able to make it a shade garden regardless of how much you want. So the sunflower family would be probably fairly good. Oh, that's a good suggestion. Yeah, like, you know, purple coneflowers, uh, Coryopsis moonbeam, uh, let's see, black-eyed Susans, brown-eyed Susans, all that kind of stuff. Hellenias, which is a type of sunflower, anything in the sunflower family. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Mike. Certainly, my pleasure. And let's go to Patricia's. Hi, Patricia. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Mike, I have a question. I have a lilac bush in my front yard, and I know it's through blooming, but can I trim it now, or should I wait for another time to do that? Well, if you prune it, get it pruned as soon as you possibly can. Anything that flowers in the springtime uh, should be flowered within a month or two of the time that it flowers. Because if you wait too long, then you're f- pruning off the flower buds for right. the next spring. So I need to do it like in the next week or so? Yeah, as soon as possibly you can. I know it's going to be extremely hot today, so you might not want to get out and do it. But, yeah, do it. get it done quickly. 
Okay, thank you for your show, and you sure. have a good day. Thank you, and Susan, if you can do it quick, we can get you in before we got to go to the news. Oh. Yes, I'm calling about the uh, sycamore problem. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Several years ago, uh, ten or fifteen, I had a huge sycamore. It's beautiful, but uh, it got sick and died. And I was told uh, that it was, I thinking, anthracnose. I was so jealous of uh, some of the trees that didn't die, but now it looks like the rest of them are infected. That's just what I believe. Well, I mean, it certainly could be. That's what somebody emailed me and said it could have been anthracnose. But uh, the leaf drop and everything is stopped, and it may very well be that kind of circumstance which killed your tree. But uh, when it's universal, all you know, all at once, never ever happened before. I mean, all the street trees, people's yards, and everything else. That's why you know an anthracnose circumstance of that widespread, you know, situation. It certainly could be that, but uh, it may not be. So we're just going to have to, there's not too much you can do. Is just kind of keep your fingers crossed. When mine died, I mean, it was widespread death to sycamores, but not every last one. Right. But anyway, they're beautiful trees. It's a shame. Right. I mean, they're really nice. I like the exfoliating bark, but I live across the street from a small park, and all the sycamores all the way around, their street trees, you know, have been dropping, and now the last two weeks they haven't dropped at all. So, anyway, thank you, Susan. Greatly appreciate your insight, and it's too bad you lost a tree, you know, a few years ago. But uh, outside yourself, folks, uh, just realize it is extremely hot. And so don't go out and just routinely mow your lawn, regardless of the type if you're not going to get clippings of at least one inch, don't bother mowing. Hold off on it. And mowing in the heat of the you know, heat of the day is not the smartest thing to do. Sometimes I do it, and I'm stupid for doing it, but I don't advise anybody doing it. But also, you know, make sure that things in pots and even in the ground are getting well watered because it is, even though the humidity is high, they're losing moisture. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, Yes. During your forecast there, you said an orange day. What's an orange day? You know you how they have oranges? the... Well, you could. It, they're good for you. Uh, yes. Now, you know how they set the uh, the air quality, and it's green day, it's an orange day, it's a red day, so, yellow's in there somewhere. <laughs> so today's orange. Oh, I have not ever heard of yeah. an orange day. Yeah. So, you, you you know, you just you don't want to be out in this too much, you know? I'm going to be out. I've got a Are you? Yeah. Walk and talks to go to, and then I work in the yard. Well, drink a lot of water. Yes. Catch the shade every now and then. Loose-fitting clothing, <laughs> light-colored clothing like you're wearing. Right. And light-colored hair like you have. That'll help. That'll come in real handy. <laughs> Are yeah. you saying my hair's white? Uh, close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have all dark clothes on, so you can't work on those. I'm going to nap. I'm, I'm going to stay out of the heat. All right. Well, yeah, great. so be careful. Orange, yeah. glad you asked me. Yes. yes. Orange, I am. <laughs> Yes, folks, by the way, uh, thanks for having me on your show where we can discuss plant selection, caring for ups and downs for annuals, 
bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And I like to share my thoughts, but remember, my answers, comments, and opinions are strictly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He's the one that is producing, and he'll take your phone calls, and he just needs your name and where you're calling from. That's all. And uh, during the week and on the weekends, I spend my time doing landscape consulting where I come to your home, and I can uh, help you find out what's going on with certain things. Uh, aesthetic-wise and problem-solving as well. Today after the show, I'm headed to Oakville and then over to Kirkwood. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. That's my email address and phone number are listed. You can contact me, and I'll come over to your home and share 40-plus years of experience. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And guess what, folks? St. Louis Water Garden Society is celebrating 30 years of sharing information about fish ponds and water gardens and everything else. And this is the 20th year for the annual Water Garden Pond Tour. And it's going to be on Saturday, June 27th, and Sunday, June 28th from 9 to 5. It'll feature 30 different private gardens that are owned, private water garden circumstances owned by society members. And they do all the maintenance themselves and everything else. And it's uh, just a great, fun type thing to do. And uh, the event provides funds for St. Louis Water Garden Society to continue to maintain their civic project to plant and maintain the reflecting ponds in front of the jewel box in Forest Park. So tour, ticket, booklet, you can get the locations, addresses, descriptions, and driving instructions. For more information, where to purchase the tickets, you can call 314-995-2988. And they're also available on the website. You can go to the website, www.slwgs, so in other words, at St. Louis Water Garden Society, .org. And there's, you can find information, too, in many garden centers and retailers as well. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden. Today and June 9th and the 11th, what they're doing is a virtual green living festival. And it starts at noon each day. So what you can do is go to www.mobot.org, Green Living Fest, or you can call Earthway Center, 314-577-0220. So this is going to be a virtual thing, so you can you don't have to get out of your, in the heat or anything else. And just uh, you'll be amazed at the information they're going to share with you. So that's the tip of the trial today. And before we take a break, let's go over to Josh's yard. Hi, Josh. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have a question. When do I trim the azaleas? Basically, you should have done it kind of within a, a month or so after they finish flowering. So if you prune them any later than this, I mean, you're kind of on the cusp right now. You're cutting off potential flower buds for next year. So I would say leave them alone this year. Next year, just make sure you do it within a couple weeks after they finish flowering. Okay. And then uh, my dad is have, having problems with his tomato plants down in the country, he had to pull them all up. They got this where the new leaves would not open all the way. They, it looked like they were shriveled, hmm. and they wouldn't open it. Well, this started happening to his green beans and his potato plants as well. And we were trying to figure out maybe you had seen this before with tomato plants or that. And if you, if we think it might be a virus or the ground soil or something, we just aren't sure. 
But, I mean, it certainly could be, but generally it's something that's going to affect tomatoes. It's not necessarily going to affect all those other type of vegetables. So it's yeah, not, though, that's what was so strange about it. Yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit, you know, stranger. You know, so is he planting in the same spot that he historically plants? Yes, and he's never had any issues with it. This year, the tomatoes just, they came up fine, or, you know, they were planted fine. Right. It was just the new growth. It almost like the the structure of the leaf didn't want to open all the way. Well, I don't know what variety of tomato he uses, but he should get a variety of tomato that has a VFN initials or letters after it because those are varieties that are related to or anti-problematic things like you're describing. Okay. So VFN, that means that they've there are special hybrids that are resistant to these potential problems. Okay. I'll, I'll pass that on to him. Thank you very much. Yep. And let's see. Should we take another one? Let's go to Judy, and she lives in Shrewsbury. Hi, Judy. Um, hi, Mike. I have a question about my Wygelia. It's finished blooming for the year. Right. Can I trim it back now? Uh, again, another spring bloomer. You should get. Yeah. You should always prune it a little bit sooner after it finishes flowering. You can give it a try, but uh, hopefully you're not cutting off the flower buds, which are not going to be real buds yet, but right. the formation circumstance. Oh, okay. So if, okay. You can, if you're a little bit cautious, I would just mm-hmm. say leave it alone for this year. Next year, just make sure within a couple weeks after it's finished flowering, you go ahead and prune it at that time. Well, I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Certainly. And also, you know, pruning anything, I emphasize the fact broadleaf evergreens, but pruning even deciduous shrubs now, you know, I mean, the sun is going to be intense and the leaves that are kind of shaded by the growth that you're going to cut off could get sunburned. So I don't recommend any kind of pruning from this point, you know, at this at this time. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, watering. We're heading into summertime. Well, it's not really yet summer yet until the 22nd, of course. But uh, when you water your landscape, whether it's your lawn, your plant, your shrubs, your, your perennials or whatever it happens to be, don't water for short periods of time like every day or every other day. Water for long, longer periods of time less often. So how do you know how long to water for? Well, turn on your watering system, whether it's a sprinkler irrigation system, put a bowl out there, and once you get an inch of water, that's how much water that your landscape needs every 7 to 10 days. So an inch of water. So putting your irrigation system or running your sprinkler for you know 15 or 20 minutes does nothing. Because it's going to evaporate and go up into the air before it actually penetrates and gets down to the root system of your plant material. So watering short periods of time frequently is not the way to take care of your plants. And if you do have, we have some phone lines open, so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. Hello. Hi. Hey, uh... Yes, thank you very much for your service, and I try to listen to you every Saturday morning. Well, thanks. Uh, I've become paranoid in my yard with all the time I'm spending out here now. <laughs> a, uh, a couple questions, please. Uh, a 10-year-old weeping willow tree, it seems to be shedding leaves a, a lot. And maybe it's because I'm here more and I'm seeing it happen, but I just don't remember 
uh, a lot of shedding of leaves like it is this year. Is uh, is that common? No, uh, it's generally it's you know it's got to be weather related. It's kind of like the sycamore trees. I don't know if you were you you know hearing that story today, and it's been going on for a couple of weeks. It's finally stopped. But yeah, I mean, even though we've had a you know a good amount of rain and everything else, trees are going to shed leaves if they can't you know if they can't support them. So in other words, what happens is nutrients and moisture come up from the root system. They send it up to the leaves. And then consequently, leaves use sunlight to make chlorophyll, which is food. Now, if there's not enough nutrients and moisture coming up, then the tree's going to slough off some leaves. Okay. Okay, thank you. And uh, another question. Peonies, uh, any certain time you want to cut those down after they've bloomed? I uh, cut the spent flowers off ASAP. And then basically in September is when, it, when you want to just cut them back down to the ground. Okay. Okay. And one last question, please. Uh, hosta plants. Any special time of the year for transplanting hostas? Well, the weather is, you know, probably fall is the best time to transplant most everything because the ground is warm, so that will encourage root system growth so they can reestablish themselves, and then they get to go to sleep for winter time. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much, Mike. Very good, and thank you. And also, the reason why the spring is not so good is because the ground is still cold, the root systems are not going to be triggered as far as new growth. And then the plants have to face summertime. So that's why I say, you know, fall is a better time to do it. Let's head over to Ron's yard now. Hi, Ron. Yeah, uh, I have a question on tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I planted uh, about 48 uh, Better Boy tomatoes. And um, I've had five of them just wilt over. And I go to... Uh, touch them and uh, they break off at the ground level wow yeah now i've got like i said 48 of them and and it's only happened to five um and i don't see any worm or uh about three years ago i went with this uh no-till gardening i had a bunch of wood chips delivered Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i got something in the wood chips but Last year, I didn't plant tomatoes in that area. I planted other things, and they grew fine. But um, it's just weird. It's like a, a section. It's not. It's not sporadic all over. It's just in a in a, a square box area where they they just wilt. They they start. You can see them. They start to lean over. And you think, boy, they need water or something. But I didn't water them. And a, another day, and they're just dead. Well, I'll tell you, if the wood, you know, wood chip content right where this area is, where all, you know, all five of these, you know, let's say, deplete or diminished or destroyed themselves or whatever, if there's too much wood in the ground, that can impact these plants. So I would go out and just dig up that, you know, that section and just see how much wood chip, you know, residue there is there. Yeah. Okay. And if there is too well, much, then that's you know that could cause problems. That's what's wrong with using you know let's say wood chips that haven't been composted and things like that because it binds up nutrients. It can cause all sorts of different problems. And even though these were put down a couple years ago, they probably depending upon the wood, they may not have in this particular area completely decomposed. I, I think you may be right. So just get out there. You know, I don't know if you want to do it today, but just as soon as you possibly can. But, you know, five out of 48 is, you know, I mean, you don't want that to happen at all. But if they're all together, that kind of indicates there's something right in that spot. 
the dirt's really fine. It's, I mean, you can't tell there was any wood chips there at all. It's very, very fine dirt. I would say dig down, though. Okay. All right. You we'll don't do. have to go real deep, just, you know, one spade deep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good all luck. Right. And good luck with your other 43 tomatoes. John lives in Chesterfield. Hi, John. Good morning. Hi. Hey, this year, just for grins, I decided to plant about a half dozen sweet corn plants. Mm-hmm. And I vaguely remember from half a century ago when I was working as an accountant for a fertilizer company that farmers do what they are number right, side dress the corn after it starts to come up with straight nitrogen. I can't remember at what point they did it. I know they used anhydrous ammonia, which is like 82%. <laughs> so any idea when, how tall the plant should be to throw a little extra straight nitrogen on it because I got some. Uh, basically, I would say probably at a couple feet tall, you know, I would do it then. And the nitrogen is just, you know, absorbed real soon because then after about a few days, it goes up into the air anyway. So that's why yeah, they do this, you know, the side dressing. Yeah, they, with the anhydrous ammonia, they actually had, uh, uh, like, fork-type things that went down in the ground and it put it, like, six inches below the surface of the ground. Wow. Uh, one other thing, uh, you know, on pruning, you said don't do pruning in the hot summer, but I try to, I have some uh, bushes around in front of my picket fence, and, you know, every week or so, uh, one or two branches decide to start growing 10 times faster than everything else. I just clip those off just to keep things even. That's, that's not a problem if I'm just doing a couple of few, right? Well, right. It's just, you know, going out there and trying to, let's say, use a hedge trimmer or something like that to, you know, to shape or to reduce sizes or something like that. But, uh, you know, cutting off a sporadic, and let's say, exceptional long growth, that's not a problem at all. Okay. I thought so, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck with that. And let's see if, you know, where should we go? Let's go over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. Um, I had a question about uh, lilac uh, bush. Can I trim that now back? Uh, again, uh, you know, pruning going with the intense heat and intense sunlight, you could really, you know, kind of scorch the foliage that's going to remain. So I would say leave it alone. Next year, within a month or so after it finishes flowering, prune it at that time. Okay. Okay. And a question about tomatoes. I've got a sun sugar, I think it is, cherry. It's a yellow cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some weird, like, leaves at the bottom that look very yellow. And so I've, I've, is it okay to take those off? Does that help the plant if there's some kind of disease in there? Yeah, that's not a disease. It's probably just because those were the original leaves of when you bought these plants, and they just kind of are dysfunctional now because the newer growth has kind of taken over, let's say, producing the uh, chlorophyll for the tomato plants. Okay, but my other tomato plants are kind of full and luscious, and this one looks a little stringy without a lot of leaves, and then I... And then, like I say, these yellow ones on the bottom, does that indicate there's an issue with the plant? Well, not necessarily. It's probably variety-wise as much as anything. Okay. It may not be a variety that does all that well with our screwball weather. Gotcha. Okay. And one quick question. Um, is there any way to prevent frogs from going after my fish in my pond? <laughs> uh, gee, I, you know, not that I know of. And else okay. you, yeah, I mean, you could put some kind of netting over the top of it, but the frogs, you're, you know, I mean, I, I would say that that's a little tough. Okay. Yeah, I, I was hoping to get some fish going, but it 
turned out I was just feeding the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Mike. Yeah, but, I mean, the frogs make nice sounds at night and stuff. <laughs> well, they do, and they're on mosquito patrol, but right. uh, apparently now they're on fish patrol, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good one. No, All right, thank thanks you very much. That. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hi, Mike. Thank you for your show. Well, thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) Um, I was calling about my Japanese maple. Um, I thought I had heard you say a while ago that trim them, like in June, maybe? Yeah, in the summertime. So it's okay to trim it now? Right. Basically, maples, birches, and beech trees, there's less sap flow if you prune them in the summer. Okay, great, because this one's getting out of control. And then do I cut it back, like, to the original, well, like, to the main branch that all the little ones are coming off of, or? Yeah, you certainly have that option to do do that. Okay. It just depends upon what you're trying to do with it. Um, it's kind of coming over into our porch and going covering over some other plants. Yeah, so. so definitely do that. Don't leave any kind of stub except about a quarter to a half inch would be the longest. Okay. It, it, can I trim too much then? or? Well, you. I mean, just realize that, you know, the amount of leaves you have, that's what makes the food. So if, mm-hmm. you, if you reduce the leaf count by too much, then you know, the it could over it could impact the overall health of the plant because okay. it's not able to make enough let's say food to mm-hmm. support the root system to support the stems mm-hmm. to support the branches and everything else. Okay. Okay. So you said to leave how much of a a quarter inch, to a said? half? Yeah, a quarter to a, quarter a half to inch. Half. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah. By leaving okay. a quarter to a half inch, it allows a cambium layer, and that'll be the healing layer to uh, take care of the open wound. So thanks, Karen. Thank you. Uh And now let's head to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hey, how are you this morning? Good. So I had an arborist come out and look at some ash trees. They weren't, over the last maybe four or five years, they've been really degrading. Um, He didn't see what he felt was like a lot of emerald ash borer. He wasn't sure if I brought in maybe some sort of other disease, but I've also you know, walking the dogs, the other trees in the neighborhood look stressed. Um, is it best to probably get it cut down? Or is there any chance that the new growth that seems to be centered near the uh, the middle trunk, you know, really maybe five, six feet off the ground, is there any way that that new growth would get solid enough that it would fill back out to look like a normal tree? Because I know if you if you buy a new tree, you're talking, what, 15, 20 years before right. it would be the same size as the tree. But if if it's kind of healthy, you know, is there any chance it'll catch up? Uh, basically, it just depends on what the problem is. With the emerald ash borer, they attack the top of the tree. So you almost okay. need binoculars to see if there's emerald ash borers, you know, up there. Oh, okay. There's no way okay. to just sort of guess and see. So, I mean, the ashes just have all kinds of, you know, problems just in general. So this may not have anything to do with the emerald ash borer. It may be just you know, one of those crazy diseases, which there are several that impact the ash trees. And overall, if you only have, let's say, you know, a portion of what's existing, um, you know, that looks healthy and viable and everything else, 
just like I was talking to, or I've mentioned to a couple people, once the, say, the branch count and everything else, consequently the leaf count, is reduced tremendously, then the overall health of the tree is going to be bad news because oh, it can't make nutrients. any food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's basically uh, got a wig. <laughs> right, right <laughs> in the, you know what I mean? It's like six feet up, and right where right. it starts to fork out, it's like it's all growing right there. So, the, mm. you know, there's a – I have two of them in the front yard. They're about – 25 to 30 years old i'm assuming they're planted with the house you know right and uh yeah one of the trees looks really bad and the other one is getting there so it's probably just best to have them have them removed right exactly and and so the arborist was saying there are ways you can dig deep enough and you could possibly plant in the same spot but i felt like i've heard you say that that probably isn't likely is is there an in-between is it is it black and white or is it just uh just depends well, it just it depends, but I mean to dig deep enough, you're talking about like bringing in a backhoe kind of thing. Oh, that's so true. just stump grinding, you know. Even if you go down two feet, there's still a lot of let's say woody qualities there, and it's like the gentleman with the mulch, you know, in his tomato patch. If you've got too much height, you know, let's say pieces of wood there, it's going to impact the root system and the overall health of something you put right in that same spot. That makes sense. Yeah. We have, we're supposed to have two trees in our front yard, and it's just like I don't. I, I just got the grass looking nice. The idea of tearing up one, <laughs> I worked so hard to get. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, the the second question. So I've heard you say not to prune, which is great. I have a I have a lilac uh, that I'd like to prune back. It's near seven foot in some parts, and so I feel like that's a little a little tall for what it should be. But it, I mean, it did well. It. I've heard you in the past say. The third is what you can safely take off of bushes each year. So next spring, if I want to bring it down to something more manageable, like maybe four or five foot, is that is that too much to take off? Yeah, just wait till after it flowers. Then you know, I mean, if you're cutting off like a third of it, it's uh, hopefully you're going to leave enough small branches that are going to be able to produce foliage and keep the leaves and all that other stuff. Just like I was talking about with the trees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might be a point past the point of return. We'll, yeah, so we'll probably see. the best thing to do is selectively remove, you know, one, let's say one third of a, let's say of 25% of the branches one year and just do it a couple years in a row rather than doing it all at once. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Well, thanks for the bad news, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> it's what I needed to hear. Yeah, <laughs> great. And Have a great day. Thanks. Yeah, see you, Eric. And now let's go over to Rod's yard. Hi, Rod. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have a question about a, uh, a uh, oh, my, I forgot the name of the tree now. Uh, it's one of those that flower in the spring. It's a beautiful tree. Dogwood? Uh, yeah, dogwood. Okay. I tried to move one from the wild. We got a farm in uh, North High County, Illinois, and we got a lot of wild dogwoods. And I tried to move one in the yard to El- it wasn't successful. Uh, the leaves are dead anyway, and there's no one that lives there. Does that have to be watered every year? I'm going to try another one, but it's probably too late this uh, summer. Do should I do it in the fall or spring or probably? Or- yeah, late winter would be the better time to do it and get it moved. And digging something out of the wild and trying to bring it and dig it up is going to be you know pretty difficult. Don't get it too big. 
So you're really looking at multiple years to get, uh, you know, any kind of production out of it. And the native wild ones don't bloom as fast as the hybrids that have been, you know, basically growing in production nurseries. So you could yep. wait for, you know, 12, 10 to 12 years before you're going to get really any flowering off this one that you're transplanting, even if it's successful and lives and everything else, versus one that you could buy at a garden center that could flower two years after you've installed it. Okay. All right, that sounds good. I marked them so I could be go back and find them. I put rib, uh, uh, ribbons around them so I could find them when I go back. Right. So, yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. I love your show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, Martha's yard is where we're headed. Hi, Martha. Well, it's not my yard. It's my indoor plants. Ah. And I was wondering, can you use dehumidified water to water any of your household plants or like an African violet? Yeah, this should be fine. Okay. That's what I needed to know. All right. Thank you so much for your service. Yeah, Bye. yeah. I mean, you're pulling moisture out of the air. So, I mean, what could be cleaner than that? So, thanks, Martha. And now let's go over to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Maybe it's Karen's house plants. It's yeah, this house <laughs> um, and yard. And yard. <laughs> um, so, just an extended question. I know you had a caller earlier about ash trees, and I um, have two ash trees in my backyard that shade my patio mm-hmm. wonderfully um, for the last thirty years that we've been here. And these trees have been here before us, um, but I do know and have had them diagnosed as having the the ash borer, and they are horribly look. They look horrible. I just know they're, they're it's inevitable. They have to be cut down. Right. Um, so my question, and a while back, not too long ago, the um, county had come through and removed two in the easement by the by the street the uh, street line. Mm-hmm. Um, so those went. So I know these have to go. But my question was. Um, they when they grind them down when they well they break them up and then they get down to the trunk and they grind that into the mulch. Right. Is that mulch infected? Is that going to be a problem in my in the area that currently has mulch because it's on a hill, so it's kind of landscaped with well at least one of them um, with already mulch and landscape. But like that tree is in the middle of all that. And is that mulch going to be diseased in anything? Or is it going to be okay? No, the mulch should be okay. It's just the fact that it's raw wood that's going to be problematic for, you know, plant material in general while it sort of breaks down in in and of itself. So that's raw wood is, that's why chippings from, you know, let's say a company that comes along and cleans along the power line and stuff, those are not, that's mulch, that's clippings, or that's chippings, but it's not something that really should be used on your landscape because it absorbs moisture and it goes through a whole process of binding up nutrients while it's breaking down. So so are you saying I can leave it there or I need to... Well, if you're uh, not going to plant anything right there, you can just leave it there. I'm sorry again. What did you say? If you're not going to plant something in close proximity where this wood, you know, where the stump okay. grindings are, then just you could just leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Right now, in one one of the trees, there's two of them. Like I said, and one of them does have some um, lyrope, I guess, of grassy around mm-hmm. it. So that's I can that has something around that tree. The other one is just strictly 
um, it's it's landscape with two bushes, but that's it's not it's close, but not too close. And the rest of it's mulch around that tree. So right. the one with the grassy, I'm thinking I can just leave them both alone, leave everything alone there. And well, you that. can just you're just taking a chance. If I was you know okay. if you like the liriope, I'd dig it up and get it out of the way because it's going to get st- oh. you know trampled and stampled and everything else as they come in to okay. do stump grinding. Okay. I mean, that's okay. a big machine that comes in and does a stump grinding. I mean, it's not yeah. huge, but yeah. Okay, it's a lot of it's a lot of grass around there. I mean, it's a pretty big area okay. just surrounding the tree. Well, just yeah, just oh. save some of it as much as you you know, feel like you can. Or okay, just, and then like um uh huh. Or just leave yeah. it alone and see whatever happens happens. Yeah. So then, like when we when the when the county removed those other two trees in the front by the street line, they um, offered us a tree, you know, a replacement. And so my husband got a red bud and plant, and he had them planted like about probably about twelve, fifteen feet away from one of the ash trees that into further into the backyard. But I'm afraid that's not going to shade the patio. But that should be that tree should be okay in that space, right? Right, should be not a problem. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. I enjoyed listening and um, learning. All right. Great. Well, thanks. And now okay. let's head over to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, purchased some land and uh, building building a couple structure there, house and a shop and stuff. And after the excavators came in and everything, I've got a bunch of, uh, you know, just killing using 2,4-D and Amy, uh, 2,4-D and geophosphate crop oil to just kill all the shrubs and brushes now next year i'm going to be in the spring i'm going to be wanting to have uh put lawn in there i'm just wondering what the hot mixture that i put down is there a certain amount of time before i tried to seed it for for lawn and what kind of lawn would you recommend starting on what kind of seed would you recommend starting on with where where'd this soil come is this subsoil coming up from digging the basement that was just spread all over is out in the country. The whole land was just cleared. Okay, so it's good soil. It's not subsoil. But I have dumped a really hot mixture sprayed down there to kill all the kill all the uh, stuff that's out there initially and stuff to clear it. Stuff right, just growing. So ba- you know, you're you know residual without knowing specifically you know kind of what it is. I would say if you're going to do any kind of seeding. You're taking it. You're going to have to have multiple years of overseeding, September and May both, with a seed starter type fertilizer. And I'd use like a, a turf type fescue, fescue blend. Fescue blend, okay. Right. So, but don't do anything right now because I'm pretty sure with this hot mixture that it's it's not nothing. If I put it down in the next couple months or anything, would even grow because it's turned to it's well. Killer. It's not only that; it's just the temperature and everything else is going to fry it. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call. Thank sure. My sure. pleasure. And now let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Well, hello, Mike. Hi. How are you today? Good. Hey, hey I've, I've got a – my question for you is uh, I have three pecan trees that I've started from the nut themselves. So really? they're they're kind of like my babies. <laughs> uh, this is their this is their second spring. So I started them two falls ago, I guess. And uh, last spring, I took them out of their pots, planted them. So this is their second spring. They made it through the winter. All three of them were looking good this spring. One of them, they all budded out, 
But the other two are leafy. They've got new growth on them. They're really looking great. And these are like 25 feet apart in a straight line, all in the same area, the same kind of elevation, no low spots. They're all kind of at the same kind of type of, of grade. But the, the one is all, it started the leaf out, and now the leaves are still green, but they're real stringy, shriveled up. Uh, and I don't know what's going on there. I would say get rid of that one. It's not probably not going to. If you so. can leave it and let it go until next year and see what happens in the springtime, but basically pushing out from buds and you know not having really good you know good look to the foliage is not a good sign, especially if you've got you know two of its let's say siblings that are doing fairly well in almost the exact location. So for some reason, this particular one, the root system's just not developed enough or whatever happened has nothing to do with necessarily location, and it doesn't sound good. You think digging I mean, they're all in the same kind of soil, but adding some peat to it or something? No, no, I wouldn't do anything. That's not going to make any difference at all. Okay. I would say just leave it alone and see what happens next year. And if it looks this bad or worse, then just get rid of it. Okay. All right. Well, but it's one of my babies, but I'll, I'll, I'll follow your advice. <laughs> and it was very, it was a very cool project. I really didn't know if it would work, but I, you know, they came from some other pecan trees in the area, and I planted them, and sure enough, the next, uh, the next spring, they started coming up, and it was, it was really a cool thing, but. Uh, uh, just trying to baby him along. Right. Well, that's fine. But uh, like I said, leave, leave, leave it alone for another year and see how it looks next year. All right. I appreciate uh Thanks for uh, all you do. Well, thank you. And uh, sorry, Dave, Greg, Gary, and Glenn, we're not going to be able to get to you today because we're basically out of time. If you do have a cool season lawn, so in other words, a fescue lawn or a bluegrass, bluegrass lawn, no fertilizer. You don't want to fertilize that because those cool season lawns are heading into the most stressful time of year for them. So if you fertilize, you could cause them to do some growth that they don't, they can't support. So stay away from that. Now, if you have a warm season lawn like Zoiza, this is the time of year you're going to be fertilizing. You should have fertilized May, June, July, and August for the warm season. But the cool seasons don't fertilize at all. Don't core aerate your cool season lawn either because that could cause problems because it's going to expose the root systems to hot, hot, hot weather. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. Thanks for everybody that called in, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.